0: CHAPTER FOUR I guess most people know about the Skritna. But in case you don't, I'll tell you what I know. The Skritna don't care what anyone else in the galaxy thinks about them. They don't belong to the Yurk Empire. They aren't one of our allies. They don't care about laws or customs or anything. All the Skritna care about is collecting things and owning things. The Skritna are unusual in another way. They are actually like two different races. The skrit look like huge insects, almost as large as an andalite. They have fourteen legs and six sets of antennae and aren't really very intelligent. But the skrit each eventually weave a cocoon, and a year later, out of the dead skrit, there pops a gnaw. The gnaw are a whole different story. The gnaw have four very slender legs. Sometimes they rear up and walk on just two legs, using the other legs as hands. They have large heads, shaped like andelite heads, only they have just two huge eyes. Skritna are constantly going to peaceful planets and kidnapping the local species. Sometimes they perform medical experiments on them, sometimes they just fly around with them and then let them go. But often they carry local creatures away to add them to zoos on the Skritna homeworld. Like I said, a weird species. No one understands the Skritna. Personally, I don't think they understand themselves. I pulled our fighter up alongside the damaged Skritna ship and turned on the tractor beam to hold the two ships tightly together. The Skritna decided to make it easy. I guess they'd figured they'd made us mad enough. Skritna are no match for Andalite power. I married my hatch to the Skritna hatch and popped it open. I equalized the gravities and marched as boldly as I could into the captured ship, with Arbron just behind me. There was smoke in the other ship, and there seemed to be storage boxes strewn here and there. Two clumsy scrit lumbered past, kicking through the debris. The ceiling pressed low, and I had to duck my head or risk bruising my stalk eyes. A pair of cocoon scrit were more or less glued to a corner of the ceiling. One looked about ready to hatch a gnaw. There were three gnaw that I could see. The gnaw captain was pressed back against his command console. He looked scared, but not of me. He was glaring angrily at a bizarre creature that had a scrit hand weapon, a modified yerk Drakon beam, pointed at the naw captain The bizarre creature stood just a bit shorter than me, and what was incredible was that it stood on just two legs. Just two! It had arms, but you could see that it didn't use them to walk. They wouldn't have been long enough. The creature's face was the same size as mine, but rounder. There were two small bluish eyes on the front of its face, and the lower third of the face was split open horizontally. Many species have such openings. They're called mouths. Its body had no fur, but did have brightly colored skin that seemed to hang loosely in some areas. Its upper body was covered in loose, almost billowy, white skin with tiny pastel patterns. Its two legs were covered in a rough textured blue skin that stopped suddenly at its hooves, The hooves were white and adorned with what looked like thick threads or cables laced together. But what caught my eye was the hair that sprouted from its head. It was long and wavy and as gold as a yellow sun. Freeze, horse boy, this bizarre creature said, making the sounds with its mouth. It turned the dracon beam on me. One move and I pull the trigger. I don't know what this gun will do, but I'm willing to bet you won't like it. Of course, at that point, all I heard was gibberish sounds. The translator chip, which all members of the Andelite military have implanted in their heads, requires a few minutes to begin to understand new languages. Some languages it never does get right. Fortunately, almost all species can understand our thought-speak, since it works at a level beyond mere words. "'Be careful, Andelite friend the gnaw captain said. They are savage, violent beings. Crazy. Wild. Oh, yes. This female is a vicious beast. Better to kill her. Or even better, let us cage her again. Yes, yes, that would be best. As soon as you mistakenly fired on us, she sprang up and grabbed my weapon. Wild and dangerous. Oh, yes. The translator chip handled the gnaw language easily. I didn't bother to answer the gnaw. Everyone knows the Skritnaw will lie to anyone about anything. The Naw captain winked one of his big eyes at me, as if he and I were on the same side. His fellow Naw officers all looked scared. The Skrit went on with their simple duties like nothing was happening. To be honest with you, I didn't know what to do. I was as confused as the Skritnaw. The only one who seemed to have a clue was the bizarre two-legged creature herself. Talk to her. Arbron suggested. Use your your charm, Elfengor. Um, whoever you are, whatever you are, don't fire that weapon. Put it down. Yeah, right. Hey, hey, wait a minute. I can hear you in my head, but you're not really talking. Suddenly, the translator chip had heard enough. It began providing instantaneous translation. I could understand her. I am in charge here, I said firmly. Drop the weapon. Uh Uh-uh. Nope. I don't think so, horse boy. I'm tired of being kidnapped and dragged off by giant cockroaches and little green men from Mars. Excuse me, but we are here to rescue you, Arbron said. Exactly. What these Scripna have done to you is wrong. That's why we captured this ship. I spoke like I would to a child. Obviously, this species was primitive. They didn't even have tails. What little green men... Arbon asked. They're they aren't green. green. The gnaw are gray. The female narrowed her already narrow eyes. The dracon beam in her hand wavered. I'd already captured the ship before you two came along. Me and the other guy. And we're both just kids, which shows you that these Martian jerks aren't all that tough. He's in the back, knocked out. The other guy, I mean. But I grabbed this gun from Twinkie here. She jerked her head in the direction of the naw captain. The translator chip had no translation for the word Twinky. Evidently, twinkie was some kind of word for alien. Well, we don't mean you any harm, I said as calmly as I could. How about this idea? You can keep the dracon beam, just don't point it at anyone. The female looked at the weapon. It's called a dracon beam, huh? What to do? Arbron answered before I could suggest he shut up. It fires an energy beam, which causes an exceedingly painful death, which is why I would really prefer it if you didn't fire it. Oh, a phaser. Like on that old Star Trek show. I can't believe they took that off the air. Now it's just reruns. I had nothing to say to that, because I had no idea what she was talking about. I looked to Arbron. He shook his head. No, he didn't understand either. Translator chips have limits. If you come with us... We'll treat you well, and we will return you to your home planet. Earth? Is that the name of the third planet in the system? Yeah. And are you an Earther? Humans. That's what we are. Humans. Me and the other guy. And we are Andalites. My name is Elfingor. This is Arbron. Arbron had gone over to the nearest Skritnaw control panel. He was downloading a copy of all their computer files, as Prince Briar had ordered. It's standard procedure whenever you board an alien craft. You look like centaurs, only with scorpion tails, and the extra eyeballs up on top of your heads. She seemed to hesitate. Suddenly, she turned the dracon beam around and handed it to me, handle first. Thank Thank you, you, I said. I reached to take the dracon beam from her, and my fingers brushed hers. For some reason, I looked at her long golden hair. My name is Lauren, she said. This is all kind of amazing. Most humans don't even believe in aliens. But, well, here you are, real and all, unless I'm dreaming. Do humans dream? I asked her, surprised. I do, every night. So do I. But I guess we have very different dreams. Then Lauren smiled. It's a thing humans do by turning the corners of their mouths upward. Maybe, she said. Maybe not.